Uh, welcome back to the Funny Books and Firewater podcast. We're a drinking podcast with a comic book problem. Shake the shit out of it. So, this book, I'm apparently not hip enough to understand what the hell was going on. I mean, we'll, we'll get into it, but here's the thing. Um, my drinking game rule, and we'll just start with this, is every time they mention a band you have never heard of, yeah. take a drink. Because I end up going, like, and I don't, I consider myself, like, a fairly well-versed music fan. Um, no, this was, this especially was like, very specific to, a, yeah. to the point of yeah. freaking pain. Yeah, it was a very specific time and genre that it was, they were discussing. And I had to go look up quite a few things on Spotify and Wikipedia to find out things. Uh, was this real? Or did he make it up? I think he's making up. It's real? No, there's there's some shit in there. There's some real shit. Like I had like the last issue, I had to look up who that guy was too that they're talking about. Uh, this book kind of like is um, the affirmation that Felcher's really a word. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I see. Because I heard. So okay. So we'll, we'll get we'll get into it. So Brian, you already did your drinking game. So I mean, we haven't I even introduced the show yet. The but we can start the Come show. On. Yeah. <laughs> Let's roll. Uh, so Don't hey, welcome to another. You're so, okay. Yeah, you do have your wallet on. Uh, hey, welcome to another episode of the Funny Books and Firewater podcast. We are finishing up our month of uh, music, comic books. Uh, we're not cool enough to have read this book. Uh, it's called Phonogram by uh, Karen Gillan cool and enough. Jeremy McKelvey. Those are my names, right? I, yeah. Jamie. Uh, Jamie McKelvey. That's what I said. Okay. Uh, an early work of theirs before they did Wicked the Divine, which we love. You can see some of the influences that later came, but... Uh, yes. It's hipster as fuck, y'all. Um, anyway, uh, speaking of hipster as fuck, we have with us Mr. Todd. Um, yes, hi. Our, our, uh, with uh, lead guitar by Lena and drums by Adam. Um, and, uh, and I will be your xylophone player. I'm Brian. Uh, so, oh, I want to can I play, play the guitar? The, the triangle. I'm like the guitar guy. Guitar. I, I worked with a band where a guy actually had a guitar. They are both brilliant and horrible at the same time. Um, <laughs> But uh, that's how it goes. I kind of want a keytar just because, like, in an apartment, like, it's great. Mm-mm. Like, you can just kind of, like, you know, you don't have to go anywhere with it. And see, Brian, with your love of Weird Al, I thought you would have been playing uh, the accordion. Um, yeah, I don't know why I never really got into it. Um, so I meant for this little segue we're doing. So. Oh, for this little segue? Oh, yeah, no. Yes. I, I, no. I, here's the thing. I'm a well-versed weird musician, so, of course, I had to go with the xylophone for no particularly good reason. Uh, but, uh, Mr. Adam, uh-huh. what is our cocktail for this week? Uh, this week's cocktail is called the Brit Pop. Uh, you're going to take mm-hmm. an ice-filled shaker. You're going to add two ounces of gin, one ounce of a berry vodka, one half an ounce of maraschino liqueur, two dashes of cherry bitters. You're going to shake the shit out of it, strain into an ice-filled rocks glass, and then garnish with a black cherry. Nice. Uh, it sounds awesome. It does, that's actually. Bitchy enough. That's like a Cosmo, snazzy Cosmo. It sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, we got into the drink a little early. So, basically what this book is, and, and, and we're, I'm going to explain it to the best of my understanding, because I know quite a few of us are a bit confused, uh, but sort of it's this idea that there are magical powers theoretically associated with musical genres and the experience that 
surrounds music, and it's about uh, one particular. This uh, we're also there's like three versions or three. What are we reading? Volumes of it. We're reading the first one, which is called of uh, of, of phonogram. Did I not say that already? Oh. Yeah, we're reading the. You might have, but yeah. let's just do it again. What would be the first six issues of phonogram? Um, I know the second ver- volume is called uh, the Singles Club. I forget what this one is called. I'm gonna have to look it up real quick. Rule Britannia. Rule Bata- Britannia. Yeah, that's right. Oh yeah, Rule Britannia. Because that's like yeah. the little goddess lady. Yeah. Which, speaking of which, um, uh, Jamie, um, no, Karen Gillan has a playlist for this on Spotify, which I've listened to, and it's also hipster mm. as fuck. I was going to tie into my drinking game rule, so. It might. Uh, so, well, then that's a good segue. So, uh, what is your drinking game rule, Mr. Adam? We've already gone with mine. It's called, meh. It's every time someone says something that's pretentious as fuck and makes you want to throw the book across the room. Oh, my God, you're going to die. Little sips. You're going to die. sips. You're going <sighs> to die. Really. Yeah, that's, that's. It, it reminded me of, like, hanging out at Sundance after a movie and listening mm-hmm. to, like, the so called film snobs like now so in this movie it was like it was meant to be this man i'm like oh god shut the fuck up yeah uh and i'm saying that as a film critic so like that's kind of my job but there's a level you go to you just want to like bitch slap the fuck out of people Mm -hmm. this book made me want to apologize to anyone who knew me in my 20s i just feel like i was probably awful (laughs) i still am it wasn't that bad good to know okay you weren't this bad that makes me feel better about things i appreciate that lena uh what is your drinking game rule lena uh brit pop Mm -hmm. (laughs) every time someone mentions the word brit pop uh or you (laughs) see it on a panel drink and again small sips small sips sips. (laughs) yes small sips small sips and mr todd so I've got two. Okay. One is, hey, this is my cur- first graphic novel. Can't you tell? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so every time you're going through here and it seems someone says, when you do this, you should foreshadow or you should be referencing or you should be doing mm-hmm. something here. It's like, oh, look, I just learned how to make a graphic novel. Mm-hmm. And then, every um, time something's a little too by the numbers, is that what you're saying? A little too by the numbers. Kind of like that LGBT book I sent you, Brian? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. And the second one is, so it's the, um, I'm too cool, however I'm trying too hard. Okay. Which is really Adam's right there, too. It's like, look how cool I am, but unfortunately I'm trying too hard. You need to just calm down, distill it, and yeah. And see, my backup one actually was a real drinking game for me. It was whenever I was reading the book, and I set it down and said, the fuck is going on? And then I took a drink, and then I went back to the book. So that actually was a legitimate drinking game for me as I was going through this. Oh, you yeah. survived it. Uh, yes. Were you I, drinking water? Uh, I was drinking uh, normal drinks, but I had to work the next day, so I knew I had to like be good. <laughs> gotcha. There's a school right. night. Uh, Adam, you seem to have a theory as to what the book was really about that I thought was interesting. So we'll we'll start out with that. So yeah, like I said, I was reading through this and I didn't know what the fuck was going on. <laughs> it made no sense. I was, and all it was mm-hmm. was. Going back to what I said, the drink about being pretentious, it, uh, the rule about being pretentious was it just sounded like those movie nerds from Sundance or like going to a record store and hearing people go off about, you know, the, the lost days of music and how everything sucks now. Mm-hmm. And then I, I think it was when was it episode four, when he went back, was it the memory palace or what they call it again? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Basically where he sort of. It was sort of, yeah, the idea I, I kind of got from, oh, it was a Retromancer. Is he went back and was hanging out with the Retromancer. Right, but it was, yeah. they called it like a Memory Palace. Memory Palace actually is from a video game called Persona 5, so I'm sure if we have people listening who know that game, yeah. they'll be yelling at me. But he goes back in time to try to figure out what's going on, 
And that's when it kind of clicked for me that at least my interpretation of the book was that this is about a guy who's getting older and he's... Memory Kingdom, sorry. Memory Kingdom. I know it was something like that, yeah. So he's getting older and he's looking back on his life and looks back on all these things that he went through and the music especially, because I think we're kind of defined by music as we're growing up. Like, I remember very specifically, you know, Green Day being the first real CD I ever bought outside of, like, Weird Al and Christian music. That defined a lot of my older teenage years into my 20s, like, with American Idiot and everything else. Mine's so much more embarrassing. Hmm. Mine's more embarrassing. I can beat you. But oh, we'll I want to hear it. Mine and the Blowfish cracked for review. Mine's worse. <laughs> Mine's worse. Lena, was the first CD you bought? My first CD was Ace of Bass. So I think <gasps> I win. No, 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 no. I got you all. You ready? Uh-huh. What? Michael Bolton, Time, up. Love, and Tenderness. Oh, oh honey. <laughs> yeah. Here's the problem. I remember your 12 that inches of snow CD. Album. I'm just going to yeah, throw Yeah, but that when you're 12, there. why would you be buying that shit? The problem oh. was that I hung out at my dad's office a lot, and that's what all of his secretaries were listening to, like, on the Easy Rock station, so that's the music I knew. I mean. I would have bought it, but I was also a girl, so I yeah. feel like... <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I look back on it, and I'm like, I understand why my parents thought I was gay. I, get I was it. about to make I that totally get connection, it. yes. <laughs> yeah, that actually... That uh, although, we, we, we must always remember the Michael Bolton for being in the Lonely Island, the oh, yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean song. Absolutely. So Anyway, Adam, I totally derailed you. No, no, you're fine. Oh, but yep. Before he, he goes back in the memory kingdom, uh, the, the weird dude in like, the shed tells him, never go back into your own. Always go into one you have nothing to do with it's completely separate from you mm-hmm. it goes back to his own things get fucked up as they do and then it kind of dawned to me that this for me at least my interpretation is this story is about someone who's getting older and doesn't really want to get older and is trying to go back to that time they were in the 20s when this music that defined them you know which is no longer popular they talk about you know britannia like she she died and then she came back and then she mm-hmm. died again and she's trying to come back again and it's like we see with a lot of music is that you know you've got you know music is really big and then it kind of goes away like there's a like grunge or like mm-hmm. hair metal and then they try to bring it back like hair metal tried to come back with um i believe in a thing the called darkness. the darkness thank yeah. you Steel Panther was doing a little bit of that. Yeah, Steel, Steel Panther's fun. I mean, they're yeah. horrible and they're completely politically incorrect, which we never do on this podcast. Yes, no. Uh, so it came back briefly and then it went away again because, mm-hmm. as well, it should. And I think if you try to bring it back now, especially now that you're like two generations removed, kids would be like, "What the fuck is this? Like, why is it? This is stupid. Why is this even here? Why does this even matter or exist?" Mm-hmm. And so for me, this was all about growing older yeah. and trying to relive those lost times, like your glory times, whatever else, and not wanting to face the fact that you know, for me at least, like, hey, I'm 40 now. Like, I can't go back and be in my 20s. I can't go back and I can reminisce and I can listen to, you know, the Green Day I was into back then and like My Chemical Romance because I was into them back then and mm-hmm. like some of the songs and stuff I liked. And it brings back really good memories. But the fact of the matter is, I've moved on from that now and I mm-hmm. can't become that person again because one, I'm older and hopefully wiser. Uh, and two, that time doesn't exist anymore. And no. there's no way I can go back and bring that back because it would be worthless. There's no reason to dive back into that because it wouldn't be who I am now and it wouldn't be conducive to my life, my mental health, anything else you want to talk about. So that's what kind of dawned on me when I read, I want to say it was issue four, three or four. And once that hit me, I was like, oh shit, this is what it's about. And then I finished the book and especially with Britannia being like, hey, you can't come back again. Mm -hmm. 
uh, and Britpop and everything else. And I'm like, cool, I get it now. Did I like it? I don't know yet. I'm still trying to figure that out. And I really want to hear what you all think because that will decide on my final grade. Yeah. But that being said, now that I kind of have my idea of what I think it is, I do want to go back and read it again mm-hmm. with that idea. But that being said, I didn't care enough to go back and read it again last night because I had to make dinner and go to bed. Um, yeah. But anyways, yeah. So Brian, when I was, I was texting you earlier today, that's, that's what I took away from it. Yeah. And I, again, I could be totally wrong. Like when we did How to Talk to Girls at Parties, we all had completely different ideas of what it was. Yeah. But maybe this is that kind of book where you can kind of dig into it and get what you want. And then I saw there was two more trades that were apparently linked to this somehow with whatever. So maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But um, that's me. And like I've read the other ones, but the thing about it was, and we kind of discussed this earlier um, via text message, is that like I reading this book again now because I've I've read the full thing within like the last two years. Um, but like reading it now, I got a very different perspective from it from the last time I read it, which is just sort of an interesting thing. Of like, I don't feel like I've changed that much in the last couple of years, but I probably have changed enough in the last couple of years for it to be a very different sort of experience. Um, but uh, yeah, and I have some ideas, Adam, and they're linked to yours. But I want to hear what. Uh, uh, Lena and Todd have to say before I jump in on any of that. Oh, Lena, Lena. I, I know Lena does. I, I, she was uh, she was the other one who was sending me some fun text messages earlier today. So, uh, Lena, what are your thoughts? I finished this, and well, first off, okay. So on Comicsology, they don't have the volume. You have to read each of the issues separately, which is annoying as fuck. It is because I because the the issues don't say what order they're in. You have to actually click on it to figure out like that you're on the right. Yeah, mine issue. mine came out in order too. Like my four and five were swapped when I was trying to read yeah. it all in order, and I had to go back. Yeah, I had that same problem. Yeah, and I was like, well, I'm like, well, something's not things not right. I don't understand. What's so um, that was a little bit of like I had to go back because I was like, wait. I'm like, I'm, I miss something. And then I was like, wait a second, what fucking book am I on? So <laughs> that was a little bit um, annoying. With that, this was, I, as soon as I finished it, the first thing I did was text Brian and go, I am not hip enough to <laughs> understand what the hell this book was about. I don't think like, anyone is. <laughs> It, that, that leads into my theory a little bit, but yeah. It felt like, uh, you know, just too cool for school bullshit. And I mm-hmm. was like, you know, I'm good. I, and, and the funny thing is, is that I have friends who are like, the. there were some bands at the end, I don't remember which issue it's in, um, but they mentioned like Mowgli's and there was mm-hmm. somebody else. Like there was like a, a group of bands that I was like, oh, they yeah. might know. Yeah. Um, but not because Coolest Shaker is the only one that them. came up frequently that I knew that band i'm like oh yeah because they have and oddly enough my frame of reference is they did a song that was on the soundtrack too i know what you did last summer so for me it's not because i listened to any of these bands but Mm -hmm. it was more um my one of my friends from high school who is still one of my closest friends um tc she is like huge mowgli's fan and she and she would she'd probably read these and be like oh yeah you don't know any of these bands like this is her kind of music Mm -hmm. this is her kind of thing and so um i think that i'm just like good on this like i like (laughs) indie music I am not of the type that's like I like them before they were cool or any mm-hmm. of that crap. Like I just don't have time for that. Like I want people to be <laughs> successful. <laughs> I'm ignoring you all. I want no, no. Todd to was pointing to I'm me, acting like you. I was too hipster, and I was flipping him off. That's what was happening there. Oh, I understand. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
I don't disagree with Todd, but it's very much that like, I have never been the type where it's like pop music's so not cool. And it's like, as soon as somebody becomes popular, people lose their shit. Cause they're like, Oh, they sell, they sold out. And it's like, no, they're making money. That's it. That's okay. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. It's like when people used to call green day sellouts mm-hmm. and I was like, you don't get, it's like people are allowed to be successful in what they're in the, and they're successful in doing what they love to do. I mean, to be a, a starving artist your entire life is not a badge of honor. Mm-hmm. It's just a strange thing. And that's how I feel with this book was you had all of these bands that like that they mentioned that unless you are in that that kind of scene and you dressed like a scene, like you dressed scene and emo and every it just didn't you wouldn't know how you have no idea who any of these people are and they they like take pride in that Mm -hmm. and it's like these this is for us like only people that are good or you know cool enough or like in the know no bands are and it's like "Mm, i'm okay like Mm -hmm. i I don't know i just the whole like you know i'm cooler than you because i know this it's just that's how i felt reading this and some of this stuff was just so heady and so pretentious and it was like talking to a first-year film student who thinks everything and it's yeah. just like shut up oh god yeah um and i say that lovingly knowing that when i first met brian and i told him that two of my best friends were film students and he was like oh no <laughs> and then he met them and he was like okay yeah they're actually pretty cool well they but, res- the sad thing is they respected me because i kicked their asses seen it yeah there you go that's always a good thing <laughs> but they but they weren't like your. St- i mean as no, they weren't I terrible went on, they became yeah pretentious <laughs> But when we first met them, they weren't. But a lot of first-year film students have this hoity-toity, like, watch these stupid art films, because not because they're good, but because they think that they're good because it's pretentious. Like I said, the Sundance people. To be fair, though, like, I think every genre of art school has that. Like, I knew theater kids who were, like, really into, like, you had to be, if you didn't like Rent, you were fucking the worst human being in the world, or... You know, they're all like, yeah. Just- I don't like the movie. It's funny because I feel like I dealt with that when I, not when I was at art school. I actually mm-hmm. dealt with that more when I was at UConn mm-hmm. and I, I was in theater classes there. And that was when I realized that these are the people that were just so up their own ass about stuff. And I was mm-hmm. like, I went to an art school that people that like my professors actually did shit. Mm-hmm. Like, and you've got professors here that all they ever did was talk about it. Yeah. Like they never actually worked in theater or the most they did was like something regional which Mm -hmm. is okay like if that's what you do it's fine Mm -hmm. but it was very much like stick up their ass kind of mentality and i feel the same way reading this and i just can't i'm like not okay with that like there is there and by the way the fact that you brought up rent is like that if you didn't like rent rent is not a hoity-toity kind of thing it is it is unbelievably pop like of course yeah of course yeah so the fact that there are people People out there that like, but it, or my favorite is people who turn their noses down to things like Legally Blonde the musical, or I'm trying to think like Waitress or something mm-hmm. that I love Waitress on a movie, and they're like, oh, and don't get me wrong, there are certain things that I'm like, did we really need to like SpongeBob? Into a <laughs> 
I, we can get into arguments about musical theater all day. I, I, right. I have some very strong opinions on the matter, but... But what I'm saying is, is that, yeah. the, you know, there's a, the, the, obviously things like the only thing that we could, I'm, I'm hoping, can all agree on is the only musical that should have never been made was Cats. I'm just saying. Yes, this is that and Starlight Express. <laughs> So bad. And um, the sequel to Phantom of the Opera, Love Never Dies. Love Never Dies. Oh, God. There's one song. There's you know one song. Bodyguard the Musical. Weber, but that's okay. Anyway, um, what'd you say? Bodyguard the Musical, by far the worst fucking thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Oh, didn't you almost walk out of that? I did, but like, I just had to see how fucking terrible it got. Like, it was watching a train wreck. Like, it just, yeah. I had to see how atrocious it was. It was, I, it's amazingly fucking terrible. Like, it was, um, yeah, it, I could go on for hours about how fucking horribly. It was almost just funny. And like, there were points in time where like, I literally out loud said, you're fucking kidding me. And there are people around me who kind of heard me and snickered. Because I was like, you can't. Like, really? This is what we're doing right now? But these, but this is the whole piece of like, you, you're going to have people that are going to, that there's going to, any genre is going to have shit in it. Right? Yeah. yeah. But just because it's seen as like different and moody and whatever, like it be either becomes extremely popular to which everyone's like, oh, like, I can't believe you like that because it's so popular. Mm -hmm. Or you have people that are like, but it was so edgy when it came out, and I can't believe you don't like that because it was so edgy. Now, with that said, I love Rent. Mm -hmm. Um, I quite enjoyed it. I cannot handle Seasons of Love. People can (laughs) shove that song right up their ass. I can't handle it anymore. With that said, um, there are other musicals that I think are much better. Uh, My favorite musical, which I just got a tattoo of a line from it, is Company. But hey, there's my favorite musical. I got a tattoo of. From Dear Evan Hansen. Love it. That's how how we got tickets to see it on Broadway's because I'm like, (laughs) I have an extra ticket. Who has a tattoo from Dear Evan Hansen? Well, Adam, if you can get to New York, I have a ticket for you. I, Tori and I saw it when it was still in previews on Broadway and literally started crying from like, as soon as he started talking, I lost yeah. it. So like, um, yes, but it says, but it's funny. Cause then I talk to people about Dear Evan Hansen and they're like, Oh, you like that. And so everyone's like, what people like is different. But I guess for me, this book was just like, like even I, for, I think it was the third issue where he like goes back and he like paints his nails and right. It's like slut. And yeah, it was the one I was. Yeah, when it clicked and for me for some reason. Puts yeah. like his third into fourth is kind of where yeah, that happens. Where yeah. his, like uh, he like puts the weird like black all around his eyes and he and he's like trying to mosh pit in the middle of this. I don't even know what the hell music was actually playing. But he was just yeah. like because he went back to where he used to go to listen to all this shit. Yeah, and then they're looking at him like he's crazy, but it was more like he was. It was sort of like he was going back to the holy ground, quote unquote, or whatever, of where his youth was. The music that was playing then didn't matter. The scene that was there didn't matter. It was him recreating that experience to go back into whatever that experience was. So, like, yeah, it was sort of about that, like, that memory thing that Adam was sort of talking about and and that kind of thing. Yeah. But it was one of those things where he makes a comment when he first gets to the place where he's like, just give me how many ever vodka sodas, Mm -hmm. you know, with this amount. And she hands him two glasses and he's like, like that's it and it's like (laughs) like it's those things where he was even making comments about how like everyone looks different and the music sounds different and it's just not as good or as cool or whatever and it was just like i don't know i can't handle the like in my day things were so much better and Mm -hmm. like i just i can't like people that can't get out of the time that that they listened for those formative years and they're like i don't listen to music outside of that Mm -hmm. i just can't and music's a huge part of my life i love Mm -hmm. it so to sit here and say that like you talk to some people 
people who are like, oh, anything past this time was really crap. And it's like, well, no, it's just not your scene, which is fine. But it just, this book was so pretentious. And then the whole thing with the goddess, I, I was just like, I have no idea what the hell's going on here. Like mm-hmm. the whole thing was, and then not even the goddess, but the girl who was the ghost, Beth. Yeah. But she wasn't a ghost. Yeah. And then he like. It was like the ghost of the Christmas past. Yeah. And she like jumped off the bridge to find Richie. Yeah. I know what, I had to look up that answer. I found okay. what was going on there. And then I think that was her like non-ghost form. The, the soccer mom. At the yeah. end. Right? At the very end. Well, they see her somewhere in like the third or yeah, second or he, third he issue. He goes to his, her house. Yeah. yeah. To make sure she was alive. Yeah. yeah, To to see if if she was actually alive or if it really was a ghost. But then at the very end of of this, of issue six, I think that's her again. I thought that was his other friend. um, The woman he's talking to at the very beginning as well. At the the coffee shop or whatever. Okay. Um, I thought the girl at the... I don't know. I'm going to look real fast, but... I don't know that. See, this was why I was so confused as to what was going on. And I feel like there are so many episodes of people could go through all of our episodes and probably hear me going. I have no idea what happened. Like I read this book and I have no idea what just transpired. Like I'm so confused. Oh, you're no, you're right. That is her. The, they, they see her in bed and like songs from yeah. her past come on and she and just kind of rolls yeah, over. And, like, and, and people don't know the lyrics to this. And as you see the lyrics, she like says it. And then she like rolls over and, She's smiling, cuddling with the boyfriend. Oh, yeah. I didn't get that either. I was like, and what I the fuck? And I was like, what the hell does this have to do with any... Like, what... Yeah. What is this referencing back to? Like, did her soul finally come back into her body? Like, what is that what happened? Like, that part of her final, just like all of a sudden, because or, it, or it was maybe like the, the part of her past she had to let go. And so he helped her let go of that in some weird, strange way. I, but it was like, it didn't make it. Obviously, it was, a, it's, a, it's, it's supposed to mean something, but mm-hmm. I have no idea what it meant. Yeah. Well, I, I have two brief thoughts about what you were saying, Lena, then I'll let them hop on because I've talked a lot. Uh, the first part was about, you know, you talk about bands selling out and, oh, they got popular. So they sold out and uh, green day comes to mind, like you mentioned. And then, uh, another one comes to mind is blink 182. Like, oh, they got popular after their first two albums with, uh, what's my age again. Green day did Nimrod with time of my life or time of your life. But then you look what came afterwards. And I've always thought about the fact that, okay, so let's say they sold out. Let's say they gave in to the man and then made movies, like uh, record studios, millions and millions and millions of dollars. Well, once you do that, you've got power and you can do whatever the fuck you want because guess what? They need you now. So if you look at Blink-182, arguably their best album was their self-titled album that they had. Uh, they did the uh, the song everyone knows now from uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Mm-hmm. Everyone, It's everywhere. Everyone knows that song. Mm-hmm. And then you looked at Blink-182, uh, Green Day, they did Warning, which no one cared about, but then they did American Idiot, which... See, I really yeah. like the Warning album, but that's... I love Warning, too. too. Yeah. No, anyway. I love Warning, but arguably American Idiot is their best album and like one everyone again knows them by but do you think if back in 99 they're like hey we're gonna make a, a rock opera and we're gonna have two songs that are over 10 minutes long they would have been laughed out of the studio like no you're gonna go make more songs about masturbation mm-hmm. but because they did that quote-unquote sellout thing they had the ability now to be like no we want to do this so leave us the fuck alone and we're gonna do it so I see yeah. I see that happen a lot in the music industry at least as far as I'm concerned so yeah I mean my perspective on the whole sellout thing is is I you sell records you sell records I don't have an issue with that I I think the sellout thing justifiably comes from when you see a band try to chase a trend that is not native to that band. Um, so like, like the Path of Totality by Korn. Like, yeah. <laughs> 
Sugar, yeah. but yeah, but here's the thing: Sugar Ray, but Sugar Ray admits to it and buys into it. I yeah, know, but see, that's the thing I love. See, this is the thing that I love about certain bands, though. Mm-hmm. Sugar Ray's um, first big hit was Fly, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, uh-huh. it was the last track on that. On, I forget what the hell the album's name was. Like, the yeah, album. Uh, it was called Who the Fuck Cares. Yeah, I think exactly. it might have been self-titled. To be honest with you, it may have been self-titled. Yeah, because the rest of the album was super screamy. Yeah, very punk and, and very yeah, and very yeah. Angry. And then you have this very like reggae pop whatever and they mm-hmm. hit huge yeah. and then they follow that with an entire album that sounds very similar to that and then they title it 1459 yeah because they're playing out their 15 minutes of fame and mm-hmm. that made me be like fucking get it yeah you understand you're playing into it and if people want to sit there and call you sellouts you're like yeah fine come at us yeah <laughs> there's a limited time in that industry you have to make money take the cash and run i thought that was because they they understood what was going on they're like mm-hmm. we saw what people were buying we made an entire album mm-hmm. we called it 1459 and i was like i fucking love it and they still make money off of it yeah so it's like fuck it yeah like, but i'll say this one of my favorite bands is the ava brothers mm-hmm. and when they released i am loving you there were a lot of fans like old school fans that were pissed because that and one of them being one of the people that we know brian um <laughs> he, yeah he was very upset they had it sounded very clean and things were sounded very like much more produced than they used to and it didn't have that same like kind of gritty sound to it anymore and he was like they're not the same band and it's like they're allowed to evolve yeah the, the fact that we don't give people a chance to to grow from that is is yeah. I don't know. I think it's BS. Yeah, like the example I would give of a band actually fully selling out, aside from Sugar Ray, but Sugar Ray embraced it, mm-hmm. is Kiss. Because they did Dynasty album. They did a fucking disco album. They're a rock band. They did a disco album. They did something that was very not what they were. Mm-hmm. I would say arguably Green Day and Blink-182 always stayed true to their sound and sort of their aesthetic. Like they always sort of were going along those same lines. I think in some circumstances, and Todd will probably argue with me on this, I feel like Metallica has dabbled with the sellout sort of thing. They've kind of varied their sound based on trends a little bit, in my opinion. Oh, look at Load and Reload. Yeah. But like, here's the thing. Those are the albums I like. But you know, oh, what I, I mean? love those albums. Yeah. But but like, but then yeah, you, know, like, you say, oh look, Saint here's Anger Master is the Puppets one I'm like, and here's yeah. Load, and you're like, yeah. really? Yeah, my, my favorite one is S and M. Oh, it's a great one too. Yeah, but it's like the Saint Anger albums where I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, man? And yeah. So to be funny with that is, um, my brother Steve has a wife named Melody. Mm-hmm. So whenever we give group gifts, it's here's this gift from S and M and T and A. Nice. Fantastic. Um, I just what album was going out with some kind of monster? That's uh, that's um, Saint Anger. Okay. Saint Anger. So that's what I don't like. You, Fuck that album. You can talk all you want about how hardcore and how awesome Metallica is. My first real introduction to them was oh, no. Metallica Day. All um, right, my holiday. <laughs> and that Brian made it because we are both very anti Valentine's Day, and I still am. Although this year 
I had to celebrate it because Sasquatch is very much in Valentine's Day. But um, where we watched some kind of monster, and I watched a bunch of old men. That was men a very long movie. Act mm-hmm. like fourteen-year-old girls. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I was like, "How is this hard rock? Mm-hmm. How is this metal? You guys act like the yeah. world is coming to a fucking end. Yeah. You're bickering and fighting like you're fourteen-year-old girls. Yeah. That's yeah, like my my super sweet sixteen. Yes. It was the str- and I would I just remember looking at Brian being like, "Okay, I'm confused." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that was the one I happened to own on DVD because Todd had the other good ones. Um, I think, dude, Cunning Stunts, yes, is amazing. I, that's the best one. The one that yes. makes me insane and I hate is Through the Never. And and I will aside from having I haven't even da- seen it. Okay, so it has Dane DeHaan in this weird little fucking subplot about like this, um, like he's this roadie who's trying to get the band something in this post-apocalyptic city while the band is playing whatever. But the thing that pissed me off in a really weird and very specific way is, is that Han? there is a moment, well, aside from Dayton DeHaan, um, <laughs> is there's a moment in there when James Hetfield is singing on a wired fucking SM55, which is those fake 1950s Elvis mics, right? So, sure. Like, sadly, I know exactly what the fucking mic is, but it's wired, okay? But it, on the show, on the movie, they have it sound like it has wireless interference. And he gets pissed and throws the mic. And so basically, you have him glorifying a diva fit to attack for a wireless mic interference on a fucking wired mic. I'm like, this, like, it just is this weird detail that fucking pissed me off for like some reason. I'm just like, no, that doesn't make any fucking sense. And you just look like an asshole. Like, it's just a, a diva fit for diva's fit's sake. And it, it annoyed me. And Brian, well, they lost their shirt on Through the Never. If good. you have any things I, I feel better about that. I mean, Brian, you're a sound guy, and I used to do a lot of sound in high school and college, so we already get blamed for everything, let alone something that doesn't really exist. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I know. That just, that irritated me to no end. Well, I have a a friend who at work who who says the thing that sucks about being an audio guy is that our job on film is defined by our greatest failure, which is feedback. Because like anytime someone walks up to a microphone and taps on it, it feeds back. That's how they define in a movie that there is live sound. So it's like, we're always defined by our fuck up. And the funny thing is I've watched movies where like the one I can think of as an example of if anybody's out there seeing the movie accepted. So they're in an abandoned Mm -hmm. mental institution. He taps on a microphone. They cut to her the microphone is feeding back, and then he decides to step away from it. A, the board that she is sitting at is a DM2000, which came out in about 20, 2003. And this place was supposed to be abandoned for years. Okay, so A, it's like a, it's a pretty expensive board. No one's going to have that board in a mental institution. B, it's way too modern. And C, there's nothing plugged into the fucking back of the board. There's no, <laughs> there's nothing. It's completely, you can see every XLR connection. The board is not plugged in. The power connection's not even plugged in, and it's feeding back and i'm like that doesn't fucking work that doesn't make any sense whatsoever like how do you do this This just took me out of the moment i was like that's not how any of this works (laughs) yeah see okay so my favorite my favorite sound thing ever Mm -hmm. was so when brian and i were dating he was he was sound designing this awesome show which is still one of my favorite productions (laughs) i've ever seen ever called gross indecency and while you were working with jeremy Mm -hmm. on hanging something and so i hear hey Derek, pull the high end out i'm still getting some hiss back here Mm -hmm. we then go back to the apartment and we watch family guy that night Mm -hmm. it's the episode road to 
Rhode Island, <laughs> and it is about. fucking wonderful because uh-huh. yes. basically Brian finds his mother who's stuffed, mm-hmm. and they bury her. And he looks at Stewie and says, "Say something." And he's like, "Thus." And the Lord said, "You know, whatever." And he's like, "No, sorry, I can't hear you. You'll have to speak into the microphone." <laughs> and he's like, "Check, check, Jerry, pull the high end down. I'm still getting some hiss back here." And I died laughing for about twenty minutes. And Brian was like, oh my God. And I went, I mean, it was like perfect. We couldn't have planned it fucking better than to watch this episode (laughs) as soon as we got home because he said almost identically the same thing. Yeah. It was beautiful. And I still think about it every time I see that episode. It just cracks me the fuck up every time. Oh my God, every time. Todd, what are your thoughts on this book? (laughs) (laughs) What? How much of that will well, stay in is the next big question. You know, there's some well, wait, wait, wait. There. Let me catch stay. up. I don't know. You know, it's really good. Um, speaking of music moment, old, stuck in time, the Pretty Reckless's new album, Death by Rock and Roll, is amazing. Oh, yeah. yeah it I, is. That, that amazing. Yeah. The album is great. It's and also fucking trippy when you realize the lead singer of that is Cindy Lou Who from The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. Is it? And it the is. little sister in Gossip Girl. Yep. She she left her acting career and became a rock star. Like, a I rock found, star. Yeah. yeah. And, and legitimately badass. amazing. I mean, yeah. even on the new album, they've got one track with the guitarist and drummer from Soundgarden mm-hmm. playing yeah. it on the track, among other things. And they've got... um. Rage Against the Machine guitarist. What's his name? Uh, He's on a track. Morello's on a track. Yeah. And you've got everything going over here, yet it's really downplayed, and yet it is absolutely fantastic. So it's like, who's carrying the herald of rock and roll forever? (laughs) It's Cindy Lou Who. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. She's badass. I enjoy this. Amazing. Yeah, Adam, if you haven't heard the the Pretty Reckless, I'd definitely check them out. Oh, okay. Check them out. Yeah. So previously, their most famous song written by the Matrix writing duo, if you're Mm -hmm. back there, was... um, um, and they kind of hate that song, but everything else is really, really good. Mm-hmm. But it's, um, all right, going back through their phonogram, you know, we really love the wicked and the divine. And I'm trying <laughs> to decide if this lessens the wicked and the divine for me or not. Mm-hmm. Is really what's going through here, and it doesn't. And what this really does show is with maturity comes better execution. Because yeah. there is a lot of similarities with phonogram as there is with wicked and the divine. And besides color of like what makes it so much better is I'm not even sure they're trying less hard. Sorry, I'm gonna put that out. Those calling me. <laughs> but they're not coming across trying as hard as he was trying here. And yet the character very much is trying too hard to try to recapture something, right? And it was irritating. It was who are you trying to impress? If I don't know this, are you gatekeeping me because I don't know this? And why are you irritating the reader? Mm-hmm. And if you're doing it right, I mean, there's a fine line of walking of here are little bits and pieces. If you know, then you know. But if you don't know, don't make me feel like an idiot. And that can often be a delicate line to be walking. So like Marvel movies, that's probably the best thing Marvel movies do at the end of the day is if you don't get all the subtext and the references to here and there, so what? It's still a great movie. It still does a good job. If you get all the little points, it enriches it and makes it better. But with here, it's going, I don't know who this is. I'm not sure I get it. Is it because I don't know who this is is why I don't get it? Do I have to research to read this? Do I care enough to research to do this? But I'm reading this and the way I'm reading it and they're telling me that I'm just not cool enough. I'm not cool enough. Why do I want to be reading a book that says I'm not cool? Screw you. 
I'm going home. Mm-hmm. I don't have time for this shit. Yeah. And in the Wicked and the Divine, things are much more spelt out. And things are much more clear. And I do not get that aspect of it is all. And they're doing all sorts of references, again, to different goddesses and creatures and Mm -hmm. across mythologies. And if you know, it enriches. But if you don't know, it's fine. Mm -hmm. It's still a good story, and it's still enjoyable. The little bits, if you do catch it, makes it better. But if you don't catch it, it's fine. You keep going. Here, if you don't get the little bits, it doesn't hold up. And maturity and the ability of execution is what makes, from this team, the Wicked and Divine, actually that much better. I was on the fence of going, does this make me irritated of the Wicked and the Divine now? Or do I like it better? I like it better because they learned from this. And they learned what not to do. And like, if we was to do this again, because we all have gone through different things in life, mm-hmm. or in jobs, like, you know, if I was to do this again, I would do things different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They learned what to do different, and they actually did it different. And you're like, you really did learn. Way to go. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. And so they figured out how to write a comic book when they wrote this comic book. But they knew what they were doing by the end of it. Or at least they knew more what they were doing by the end of it than when they started. Mm -hmm. And um, it's still an accomplishment. I've never written a comic book. So go them. I'm not demeaning it. It's just, yeah, I'm going through here. And I'm like, it's... Noted as their earlier work, but you don't say people, oh, you should go read this earlier one. It says, yeah, that was early in our career. But you don't say like, oh, look at this gem we have back here. It's not really that much of a gem, Mm -hmm. but it is noted as an earlier work. And that's for good reason. Mm -hmm. And their later work is Karen Gill and Star Wars stuff. Top notch. Wicked Mm -hmm. in the Divine. It's amazing. Once in future... I get an absolute kickoff of him and Dan Mora is doing a retelling of the Arthurian legends with Arthur as the villain Mm -hmm. is fantastic. Go read once in future. It is popcorn brain candy for the max. Mm -hmm. Love it. This one irritated me because as the reader, it made me feel inadequate and not inadequate. Like, no, I can never measure up. It's inadequate of I'm being talked down to and going the from Adam so well. And why am I being talked down to? Yeah. And this book maybe felt like I was being talked down to. Yeah. I spent a good amount of time in therapy today discussing that. <laughs> there we go. And in my own way, it's they almost fell into the Hickman walking method and he walked back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my big biggest irritation with nightly news from Hickman, it was him going, oh, look, I'm the most fucking clever guy in the world. Aren't I so clever? You must bask in my cleverness. And it's like, these are all the annoying parts of Sheldon Cooper. Yeah. And, yeah, so people a fan of Karen Gillan and Jamie Malkovy, you should be fans. They do great stuff. They also did this. Yeah, I mean, my thing is about this book, um, I'm not disagreeing with you. And I, on top of what Adam has to, uh, to say, though, I think part of why it's so specific to a very tight genre of music that really only encapsulates about, you know, two years in England of a very specific... And I was never into this kind of music either, which doesn't help. Yeah, and I wasn't either, but I think part of that is is that idea of like how when you're younger and you're into music, you're like really passionate about something about that. Like I can appreciate all sorts of music, but I don't get into it as much as I did when I was like high school. You know what I mean? It's not as live or die, and it's and my I think my personality is not as tied to it. I feel like this is sort of a commentary as well on those people whose um, personality is only defined by a thing that they are like the one thing they're passionate about, and when that becomes no longer popular, they have no identity. And I feel like that's kind of All what right. the main character is. Yes. What else this made me think of? The mm-hmm. most amazing, terrible show, both at the same time ever. 
ever mm -hmm. must be Portlandia. Yeah. Okay. That skit show was back and forth, but they've got those recurring characters like, hey, do you know this person? Yeah. Do you know this person? Yeah. I know this person. Oh, I know that person. What about this person? Do you know mm -hmm. this person? Yeah, I know this person. Oh, did you know that? Yeah. That's this book. Yeah. That's this book. Yeah. I mean, but it's also like, it's that guy who is like, it, I think part of what it is, is it, it's, it's someone who is a completely insufferable person who never grew up and, but he's a little bit self-aware of the fact that they're, hey, I think I married that person. So you did oh, actually, oops, I say that <laughs> but yeah, like, I mean, so I think, yeah, I, I think it's part of like what Adam had to say. I think it's about the, for me, at least it was about the power of, 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 of music as, as a form of memory, um, and an experience, but also it's sort of about the, you can't go home again kind of idea and about you know evolving past and, and you know and people in, in sort of an arrested state of development um that never sort of get out of it kind of thing as well um but yeah. i will say brian mm -hmm. i have a definite band whenever i hear them i think instantly of you and people are like describe brian i'm like this doesn't describe brian at all but this has my perm no oh, I'm, I'm curious of what band it is i have a couple of guesses in my head but i'm curious as what it is oh it's sublime all the way oh really every time why it's is sublime. that i wonder i didn't it's just thank you siri <laughs> it's it's what it is i'm talking about moments of time and mm -hmm. everything else i mean you and i met before sublime was a thing so it's yeah. not even that mm -hmm. but for me it's like whenever i hear it on the radio if i ever listen to the radio mm -hmm. or anything else is um as i'm listening to summertime okay for whatever reason summertime by sublime as you permanently i feel like that makes me into my brain and one of the guesses i would have made to be honest with you so what i i'm interested though brian what are the guesses that you were expect like what were you yeah doing? i was gonna i was gonna guess um uh soul space hawk no not space hawk. <laughs> soul coffin was one i was gonna guess um and the other one i was gonna guess was butthole surfers so the problem with butthole surfers is is I is, gave you my tickets and I didn't get to go with you. You didn't go. I went with someone yeah. else, and that's the night I met the devil and the guy yeah. that tweaked the whole time next yeah. to the devil. So you have a, you have you a were different writing perspective through. of that, yeah? Because I I, I did yeah. know them from albums, so yeah, that's true. Right? No, no, no. But it's absolutely it's sublime. Okay, and that's, that's interesting. The way it is, and um, Santeria actually, it's summertime in Santeria. Okay, that's you. Just so you know. So awesome way to go. Yeah. It's I, like I, how do you feel I'm like not, yeah. yeah. But and, I mean, it's, and, it's and the thing is, yeah, you've been in California for over a decade, but it was, oh God, yeah, I don't relate you and California together. No. I mean, you've been there, but I mean, come on, we're still riding bicycles up to Somerset Park. Or Somerset. I drove that when I was in town once. I'm like, I can't believe we fucking rode our bikes up. Fucking we steep. Were, dude, we should have been in the Best shape of, of our lives. Oh, shit. <laughs> this is like a really steep neighborhood. Like, how we were yeah. riding our bikes up that hill just baffles me. Because, like, I think we actually did it successfully, steep. like, twice. Yeah, but we were, I mean, we were, like, going for yeah, it several steep. times. Like, and, like, and then I was driving down. I'm like, I can't believe we would ride our bikes down this hill. Like, it's mm -hmm. fucking terrifying. Like, it's just sure. as shit. Anyway. Well, and it's, back to so, your, it's okay. amazing the imprinting of what music does oh absolutely yeah and this book was trying to talk about the imprinting of music mm -hmm. for me it failed okay because the creators made me irritated by being talked down to and demeaned by yes and that's where it is so i've got it on my shelf and i'm trying to decide after reading this again and as i've gotten older and crotchety before we started recording i talked about it i'm getting a bit critique heavy lately mm -hmm. and the issue of that is is i read awesome stuff and i'm like oh this is awesome shit why am I reading this? I feel like, you know, the critic from that cartoon is like, it sucks. 
It's not that it doesn't suck. It's got its issues, but it's mm-hmm. got some of its parts. I see what it was going for. Yeah, didn't quite get there. Yeah. But they got better. Well, I think one of the things, I don't know if I brought it up on the air last time, but when you do Comixology Unlimited, you have the option to, when you're done reading something, you can return it. Like, you hit the unborrow button. Yeah. And I'm always like, why would you do that? Just remove it from your iPad. Uh, I can There's a limit. That. Yes, I will unborrow this these books. <laughs> no, you've got also a borrow limit. You only can have X amount of titles and says, oh, you want to borrow another one? You've got to return one. Uh, I haven't hit that limit, so... <laughs> So there is a limit. I discovered that one. It was, um, but yeah, it's about I'm borrowing it. So this is sitting on my shelf and I'm like, hmm, I don't want to be irritated. Even though I know it's over there. I'm just like, hmm, let me, okay. let me excise this. Like a tumor. With a tumor. Like, like a tumor. I do like the fact, Todd, that you talk about this, that the, the commentary is about music imprinting you. And that's mm-hmm. actually extremely accurate because I feel like one of the things I said to Aaron when we first started dating, I can't, oh my God, I said his name. Wait, who? Um, Sasquatch. Sasquatch. Oh, okay. Aaron! Dating, I said that I have, I have a song like associated with everyone, with almost everyone in my life that as soon as I hear something, I immediately go back. So like, mm-hmm. um, and it's not just with people, it's with places, it's with anything. Like I have an entire album of music that I listen to right now that as soon as it turns on or as soon as a song from the album starts to play, I'm immediately back in Grand Central Station walking to work, like walking to my office in Midtown. And um, if I hear something like, uh, oh God, I can't remember the song now, but like as soon as I hear it, I think of my ex where it's just mm-hmm. like, you don't want to, but you just do. And, and with Brian, so, you know, Todd, you bring up, you bring up, you know, when you hear sublime, you think of Brian, for me, it's, um, black braid. Oh, okay. I'll take that. So as soon as I hear it, I think of Brian immediately and I don't know why it's just, I mean, I love that album. So I'm okay with so that. It's, it may have been a song that I think it came out when we, when I met you or around the time that mm-hmm. I, like, I don't even remember, but I just know as soon as I hear it, I think of Brian immediately. Mm -hmm. And it's just been that way forever. So it's just those things where it's like music can have such an impact. It's like people that talk about your like, forget what the actual term for it is, but it's like your nose brain where you smell something and it's Mm -hmm. like... Mm -hmm strongest um sense to memory your strongest connection to memory is supposed to be your 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 sense of smell for me it's music Mm -hmm. as soon as i hear something i can remember where i was what time that's why like i can i can usually figure i can usually remember a song within like a year or two of when it released because Mm -hmm. i can immediately go back to where i was when it came out or when i heard it or what Mm -hmm. anything like that so it's it is those things that if they focused more on that, this could have been really good. But because mm-hmm. it felt very much like you're right, they were talking down to us. Half the time, I was just like, I don't care who these bands are. I just, mm-hmm. I don't care. And the fact that Brian, you were like, I looked them up. I'm like, I didn't even want to. I was yeah. so irritated that mm-hmm. it was so much name dropping and it was so much like Britpop, Britpop, Britpop. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm out. <laughs> No, seriously. Yeah, right. With that being said, one last thing, and then we'll go into grades. Um, The Richie thing I looked up. Yeah. The guy, the 
were the referencing was the lead singer, was the lyricist. Um, I don't know if he did another instrument. He was with a band called the Manic Street Preachers. He drove to that bridge like in February of 90 something and left his car there and then just disappeared. Didn't leave a suicide note, didn't leave anything, just disappeared. They don't know if he's alive, they don't know if he's dead, he's just gone. Um, and his band then put out another album with a different singer, but all the lyrics were written by that same guy. Um, but like, it's sort of like, and so that's sort of the idea of like he became this sort of icon kind of thing. But I think that there are, you know, different, every, I think every musical genre has like some sort of like i mean you have kirk cobain for grunge and you have like you have like some sort of mysterious figure of something or other you know wait but that sounds like the premise of the 80s movie eddie and the cruisers oh yeah if anyone's ever heard of it it was a terrible it was a movie it's it's an awful movie in like oh you hold your tongue you bite your tongue sir it came (laughs) out in like 83 or 84 Mm -hmm. and in the theaters it did horribly Mm-hmm. And then it hit HBO, mm-hmm. and that's when my parents watched it, and they were like, "This actually wasn't that bad." And it's um, the premise is it's it's basically the same thing where it's this band that was really big in the '60s, and um, in the '80s, there's like this big resurgence of the music that's happening, and you find out that the lead singer was like pissed that he couldn't do something, and like he wanted to change the sound of the band, and the producers, or the record company was like, "We're not putting this out. You're completely insane," and he. He flew off the deep end and basically just like drove off and no one ever heard from him again. He just mm-hmm. like vanished. And, and so it's the, and it's that same kind of thing. So it's interesting that that's like something that came out, like was based in reality because mm-hmm. it's, it's literally the plot of Eddie and the cruisers, which is <laughs> Three. So I'm just saying, like, yeah. it's a little strange. <laughs> Have you ever uh, read a book by Nick Hornby called Juliet Naked? No. Um, similar sort of idea. It's about this girl whose boyfriend is obsessed with this band or this singer-songwriter who has disappeared. They don't know what's going on with him. Um, and uh, he, he like, runs, like, this fan website for this singer. He And the, him and, his, the, and the girlfriend and the guy are kind of getting along, like, they're sort of falling out of love, whatever. He gets a burned CD of new music from this artist, and he sort of just, like, falls all over it, thinks it's so amazing that it's from, you know, it's the newest stuff from that guy. And she kind of writes this, like, she listens to it and kind of goes, yeah, no, it's kind of hacky, it's kind of bullshit. And the guy who really created the music was like, you're the only person who really was honest about it. And so, like, it's, they end up, it becomes this, like, love story where, like, she ends up sort of, like, falling in love with the, the former rock star, and, you know, and, like, he sees through her, or she sees through his bullshit, and blah, blah, blah. And so then it's like, she breaks up with her boyfriend, and then starts dating the guy that her boyfriend was obsessed with and like it's, it's bizarre anyway uh it's a nick hornby book so you know he's a guy who wrote like about a boy and uh high fidelity and a bunch of shit like that anyway i don't like another i love nick hornby but i i just found so i was at a bookstore um just before we left phoenix and i found a signed copy of his most recent book so i bought that so i'm excited to read it anyway and see what's funny is like i actually really do like high fidelity i've not seen the tv show which i've heard is better Mm -hmm. but if there's any movie that sums up this book it is high fidelity oh absolutely yeah (laughs) yeah it was actually adam it's so funny that you say that because as soon as he started talking and i was getting into all this and i was just like why do i feel like he would be played by john cusack Mm -hmm. like yeah so john's too old yeah. Like a mix of John Cusack and Jack Black. Like there's yeah. that. Yeah. But yeah. I will say one sure. thing. So Linda didn't mention this, but I have on good authority that the song she hears that makes her think of me is Bitch by Meredith Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Actually, it's a WAP. 
Anyway. Um, <laughs> no, but for me, it's Bob. It's wet ass bussy. Oh. oh yeah, there you go. Uh, my friend. Uh, <laughs> the look Todd's making right now just made that so much better. <laughs> I'm so sorry you, you all can't see that. We should do YouTube episodes. <laughs> we should, actually. I, I, I thought about doing that. It was legit me, funny books and Firewater After Dark, because you'd see all the shit that we don't do on air. <laughs> I've thought about that. I, I have ideas. We'll discuss later. Um, anyway, <laughs> Lana, what's your grade? I'll start wearing makeup if that's the case. <laughs> oh, my God, me too. I wear that eyeliner like he does. <laughs> that's what filters are for. <laughs> um, uh, my grade. Uh, see. It's not terrible. It's not great. And I would terrible. never reread it. And I would never tell anybody else to read it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh, Todd? You know, I'm going to go with the C minus. Yeah. The thing off it is, is that it's, um, it offended me as a reader. <laughs> also, the look Todd's giving right now is amazing. <laughs> I'm like, but it offended me as a reader. And I'm like, I'm the one buying this fucking comic. And you're talking down to me. And you're like, you know, people can be pretentious all they want. But you only can be pretentious if anyone's listening. And it makes me not want to listen. C minus. Okay. Uh, uh, Adam? So before we go into that really fast, I mentioned the whole about talking down to you thing and all that fun stuff and how it was brought up in therapy. And one of the things that my my therapist made a joke of about a month and a half ago was that we talked about I was getting old and I was kind of worried about losing my hair. And we discussed this on one of our episodes and she made a a dad joke. Oh, you're a dad. And it was so funny because last week she she brought that up again. She's like, I said that as a joke, but the whole parenting thing and your role as a parent ever since you were a kid to like basically having to raise your ex and everything else. She's like, that is a big thing. She's like, I meant it as a joke. So, but this is good. We've actually worked through a lot of shit. And so you talked about, you know, talking down to people and, and this and that is like, I was brought up today. I was like, Hey, I really don't like people doing one upmanship and trying to be like, Oh, I'm better than you because I make more money or I'm better because of this. And talking down to me is one of the ways I will cut you out of my life in two seconds. And so today we learned after she brought me to the point where I got it, because that's what therapists do was that because I spent all my life being a parent and taking care of everyone and taking care of responsibilities that aren't mine to deal with. The one thing that I hate more than being a parent is being treated like a child. And now that we've been talking about this and going through the, after today's session and looking at this book again, I agree with Todd. I felt like I was being talked down to the entire time. And yes, I did. For me, at least I got the point I was looking for was that, Oh, it's about growing up. It's about this and that. But And that's why I said at the very, very beginning, I really want to hear what you all have to say because I'm undecided. So I'm going to go with a D plus because like I said, this is a book that I'm going to return to the mystical comicsology library. (laughs) Even knowing what I know now, I have no desire ever to read it again. And yes, I'm very, very thankful they went on to do Wicked and Divine because I think that's one of my favorite comic series ever. Still an A plus. Still an A+. Plus. Still an A plus. I, I, I want to start over and go from uh, issue one to go to the end, because the end, I missed a couple issues, and I was like, what the fuck's going on? It's very, very weird yeah, at the sure. end. Uh, and actually, one of my favorite things I have that I own is, Todd, you got me that little collection of Wicked and Divine. I, I love that with all my heart, and I was very sad when Clark read that, and I was like, this is a great book. You should read it. And he's like, I don't like it. I'm like, oh, you're killing me. It's like someone showing someone Star Wars, and they're like, huh? But no, I, I think I, I saw the one with the gold robot. Yeah, exactly. And all of them. <laughs> Man, but no, this 
this book was in that same way, going with my drinking game rule, very condescending. And guess what? Yeah. I don't need that in my life. I don't need people around me telling me like they make $160,000 a year, but they're excited to file bankruptcy again next month for the fourth time in 15 years. I don't give a shit. And honestly, with this book, I just don't give a shit. And I went from, honestly, I was probably around a B minus when we first started talking. And yeah, I don't know how much that talking will be left in because we went on a lot of tangents. But <laughs> no, it's it's not, it, for me, it's not worth reading. If, you, if you're looking at stuff, I would, yeah, just don't. Just listen to this, have fun with the jokes we made and how much we it annoyed us, maybe more me and Todd than anyone else. And just understand that we, we took a bullet for you. We took one for the team, right in the bussy. So... Go listen to the new uh, Death by Rock and Roll album by the Pretty Red Class. It's awesome. Do that instead. Do that instead. Okay. Um... I'm going to go, I'll go with the C plus. Um, yeah, I, I'll be honest. I fucking fell asleep reading this last night. Uh, so <laughs> like, I really wanted to like it. Um, and I think vaguely, I remember liking the other ones better, but these six issues not feeling it. Um, so yeah, if I'm being honest, just about what we actually read and not about the overall thing. <laughs> um, cool. So that does it for our month of, uh, music comics next week. Uh, for May, we're going to be doing May the 4th be with you. And we haven't decided what books we're doing yet although i think what we decide we're gonna do uh darth vader for the first week and then we'll figure out the rest is that how yeah it was so we're gonna do darth vader by karen gillett same author same author but fantastic book yes yeah. <laughs> he created the greatest droid duo yes the murder the murder droids which and are my wasn't that where is dr afro was too droids? yeah Doc, yes. dr afro starts with that as well yes, yes. The murder that comes from the guy who wrote this. This, yeah, it's true. It does get better. Yeah, you know, it feels like I need to do one of those commercials. It's like <laughs> this author gets better, life gets better. Also, on a side note, you should better. really go watch the uh, the SNL "It Gets Better" uh, video because it yes. talks about like you know, hey, I was gay and I came out and like I thought it would get better, but now I have kids and they have this fucking iguana and the fucking iguana watches me wherever yeah. I am. I yeah. Love that. Yeah, so go go look that up. It's it's it wonderful. Solid. It's ruined the floor of my house. But then yeah. we started getting bullied by gay people. <laughs> So yeah, so we'll we'll do uh, May the Fourth be with you for uh, May. June will be Pride Month. Adam will come up with what those books are and that, uh, and we'll we'll figure out what the hell we're doing for the rest of the month of May. We got five Mondays, so we'll figure it all out. Um, yeah. Until then, thanks everybody for joining us, and we will see you all later. Ciao. Bye. Wow, Todd. Really? We talk. It matches about the tone of the book. I know. We talk about pretension the entire time, and Todd ends it with ciao. Like really? <laughs> No. It's like Eddie Izzard says, when you're in Italy, no. everyone no. drives around on mopeds going, ciao. 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 Yes. <laughs> Even the Pope. Ciao. Pope wears a swatch, by the way. I learned this. Totally a different issue. Anyway, I'm pressing stop now. <laughs>